It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The most insightful and thought-provoking show on radio. Real, unrehearsed, and impactful interviews that encourage critical thinking for finding solutions for life's experiences. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. This is the Abundant Solutions Hour with your host, Gregory Turner. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We're so excited to have you with us tonight. Tonight's show is a wonderful and exciting show. We have two great guests with us tonight. One is a uh, best-selling author, and the other one is the uh, husband of the, of the uh, best-selling author. Tonight's show is, is life and death is the topic of tonight's show. And if you are married, if you are dating uh, please have your notes and pads and everything available because this is going to be an exciting show. Our uh, guest tonight, best-selling author, is Ty Thomas. She's the author of An in- Interruption in Time, a Chronicle of Life and Death. And this, what you're here tonight is volume one. And Ty is the chief executive officer and lead caregiver and self-care consultant of Seven Ways of Thinking. And also on the line is her husband, Vincent Thomas. He's the uh, company director and caregiver, consultant of Seven Ways of Thinking, LLC. Again, if you have uh, some notes or whatever paper, please have that close by because tonight we're going to learn a lot. And if you're in a relationship or married, how well do you know the person that you're with? Are you willing or do you really understand the vows that you uh, both Gave that when you were married That you would stay together through whatever Anything that comes Any storm that comes Are you really uh, serious about your vows Uh, Ty and Vincent Are you there Ty Ty and Vincent Are you there Yes Yes, Hey Hey, I'm fine Can you guys hear me Yes. Yes Yes Okay Good. Welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We have a, a great show, and I'm so glad to have you guys on because I know you guys could have been busy doing a lot of things, but you wanted to uh, tell your story uh, about what you do. And first, you know, I, I want to talk to you guys about some of the things that you're out there doing, and I want you to uh, talk about seven ways of thinking, Ty. Okay. Well, I started seven ways of thinking by accident, honestly. I've been in the caregiving field for over 15 years. And as I kept consulting people, I started noticing a pattern where the patient caregiver or the patient spouse were running into difficulties, um, handling little little issues that would come along. And it would wind up blowing up into bigger issues. And what I found was that there were underlying issues that happened before they became a caregiver or before the patient became a patient. So, and I knew that I know that there wasn't a tool out there or tools to help them solve these small issues that now became bigger issues. And because I had been a caregiver and uh, with my husband, who was a patient, I, I, I felt like I understood where they were coming from, so to speak. And that's it. Seven Ways of Thinking just started out of that, out of just the necessity of helping other patients and caregivers to understand and try to work with them and realize that these shifting dynamics are constantly intermingling, but when you have issues that blow up, it's usually before it happened, before this health crisis happened, and just giving them the tools to help weed all those underlying issues out so they can better have a better relationship because if the patient doesn't have a healthy spirit or the caregiver doesn't have a healthy spirit, nobody becomes healthy, and it's just a continuous, almost destructive cycle. And yes. That's and you know, oh, that's so awesome. And it's a service to help others is, is what it is. And it's through your experiences 
um, how this company was started. Am I correct? Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, it was. And my husband was. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, it actually started before Vince had a health crisis. It really started when my father was diagnosed with uh, PLS, which is primary lateral sclerosis, and my mother was not so much taking care of him, but I just saw that the the relationship that they had when my father became conflicted with this condition, it was a neuromuscular condition. He continued to work. He continued to get up at 3 in the morning. He continued to build because he was a master carpenter. He didn't let anything slow him down. But just watching that relationship develop and grow, my father and mother didn't let any obstacles stand in the way. So I had an early, an early experience watching my mother care for my father, even though he wasn't dependent on her. And, and then, ironically, my husband wound up becoming ill in 1999, mm-hmm. and... I was put into that position suddenly. But because I had that foundation and because it was innate in me, I it, it just it didn't bother me. But that's because of all those experiences. I was able to form more of a broad opinion without any judgment as to why caregivers get so stressed out or patients have feel the guilt. And this can talk to you more about that from the patient side, but that's that's the direction that I had was from all those experiences of seeing it and dealing with it firsthand. And yes, and, and what you know, Ty, for all those that are just listening in, we have Ty and Vincent Thomas um on with us tonight. And we're talking about let's talk about your book, An Interrupt okay. An Interruption in Time, a Chronicle of Life and Death. And this is your first volume. Um what happened to Vincent? I know you said he became ill at some point and then you had to uh take care of him. And you're talking about caregiving. Uh, yes. What what happened to Vincent? Well, in November of November, late November, excuse me, of I'm sorry, middle of December, um, we had company for on our son's birthday, his forty fourth birthday. Um, I came back from the grocery store because we had sudden company from his grandfather and his grand and his aunt and his niece. I came back and I saw the fire trucks and the police and the ambulance outside of my apartment building, and found out that Vince could not stand. He fell. He could not feel his legs. He had received an inoculation, a vaccination, and we didn't realize that that may have been the cause of it. But within a 36-hour time period of him falling and him being admitted to the hospital through the ER and then the ICU, he was four-point paralyzed. He was completely paralyzed from the neck down. And this was a sudden a sudden health event that happened to us. And from there on, it was just for a month and a half, it was very, very bad. It, he was, he died once. He almost died again. And thank God that he doesn't remember a month and a half of that. But it was a time that really, it. I don't say it tested my strength because I felt like it was something that we ju- I just had to do. Um, it was just, Every time that there was an issue that came up, it had to be solved so that Vince can heal happily as far as internally in his mind. And that's how I dealt with it for seven and a half months because he was in the hospital for seven and a half months. Oh, wow. Um, Were you guys newlyweds at the time of this, uh, when this happened to Vincent? We had just, we were married the prior year, September 6th of 1999. So we were about a year and a couple months just married out. But I can say that Vince and I were together before that since 1993. So we had developed a very strong relationship prior to that. And that's, I believe, what, because when Vince became paralyzed, he couldn't talk. He was completely out of it. So I was more like his voice, his advocate, his supporter. I call it his spirit whisperer because I had to keep his spirit in line. But I, I really grabbed all of those, all of those titles because I knew who Vince was before he went into the hospital. You know, he, he knew who I was before he went to the hospital. So I had to grab his personality, his his characteristics that I knew of him prior to this, and that's how I was able to be, be full throttle with him as far as caring for him, even though there was doctors and nurses there, thank God. But yeah. I had to be 110% caring for him. To be that young, I, I know you guys were young, uh, and you were just yeah. starting out uh, as, as married, a husband and mm-hmm. wife, and, mm-hmm. you know, I know you guys both took vows. 
I mean, you're, you were really uh, tested. Your marriage was really, really tested. Um, being that young and being able to take care of your husband. And I know a lot of people may say, well, that's what she's supposed to do. But you have a lot right. of people that can't do that. They don't know how oh, yeah. to do that. And yeah. um, and, and I'm saying that, and, and I just want to know where, I know you had a, a strong foundation because of yeah. your family. That's That's something that's in the very beginning of your book. And I want to read a quote that you have in there. It just, just, it's, I mean, it's just stuck with me when I read it. My life is not what has happened to me, mm. but what I choose to become. Yes. Yes. And under um, that, you have listed that you're a wife, mother, mm-hmm. daughter, and friend. Yes. Strength. Where did Where did your strength come from to to take care of your husband. And I, and I don't think people realize how sick Vincent was. Right, right. I can, all, all praise is due to my parents. I, I honestly, I mean, my mother used to say that when Vince was in the hospital, she did, her and I did talk a lot. Her and I and my father and I talked a lot. She did tell me one time when I was really sad and depressed um, out of the hospital, because I never went in the hospital and showed him that. But she did tell me, she reminded me of what I brought into the relationship with my husband and that was my strength, my humility, and that that all praises to 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 them because that's where I received it from. But I was I, I have to honestly say, Greg, that I was innately born like that as well, and and with the experiences I've had. So I I don't I don't know if I, I know that marriage and the vows, you know, have a big thing to do with it. But I really never looked at that taking care of Vince. I just did what I had to do, and because of all the three things that was tied into me, which was being born like that, having that innate humility and caring for somebody, watching my parents and how humble they were and giving to my entire family as far as just mentally and support, and then the experiences I've had, that allowed me to take care of this. And, yes, we were married, and, yes, you can look at the in sickness and in health to death do us part, Yes, you can look at that, and that's, that that is true. But I can honestly say that it, it because of who Vince was before that, that tied in into what happened after that. If that makes any sense, I knew his does, character before does. that. Yeah, and he knew my character before that. So, it, I guess it just kind of just easily just transitioned. I I really can't explain it, but it was. I just knew who he was before that, and he wasn't some type of evil person, and I wasn't angry at him. You know, we we never stayed angry for more than, you know, we wouldn't go to bed angry, so to speak. So right. it, it, just, it, it was just all those different dynamics that we had before he went to the hospital that helped me take care of him easier or, or was willing to take care of him easier. Yes, and I and and Vincent Vincent is, he is on the phone. I know <laughs> I haven't asked him a question yet, but uh, Vincent, you know, the day that uh, your illness uh, happened, uh, I, I've known you to be always a, a big guy, a muscular guy, heavy, you know, strong guy. Uh, what happened that day? I, I know I know something happened. What what do you remember that day? Yeah, what happened was. Uh... Like I say, it was my son's birthday. We were getting ready to celebrate. My grandfather and my aunt came over. And uh, <clears throat> I was sitting in the living room. I went to stand up. And I felt my legs moving, but they weren't literally moving like in my mind I thought they were. And then I just I just fell straight over and hit the ground. So, you know, prior to that, I had taken, like, uh, I think, like, muscle relaxers or something to that effect. And mm-hmm. uh, so I thought maybe I had taken too many or something to that effect. So, uh I kind of crawled in the living room. My aunt was saying, you know, what's wrong? What's wrong? You know, and I said, well, I think I took too many muscle relaxers. So, you know, she, you know, she called the ambulance. I was just in the room laying across the bed like I was on my knees praying. And then uh, next thing I know, ambulance and, uh, you know, paramedics and everybody was coming in the room. And once I kind of got on the gurney and went downstairs and got in the uh, ambulance, <clears throat> I made it to the hospital, and I don't remember too much at that point, but I believe it was the next day when they kind of diagnosed me what was happening with me. And, you know, my wife whispered in my ear. She said, uh, she said, Vince, you know, she explained to me what, what was going to happen, and, you know, and I would come through it and everything would be all right. 
And literally, at when she said that, I literally don't remember anything after that. Maybe like a month and a half later. Oh my goodness! Oh, Greg, I'll I forgot to tell you that he was. Uh, Greg, I forgot to tell you that he was. He was hit with Guillain-Barré syndrome. That was the condition mm-hmm. that he was hit with, which which basically destroys the nerves and the myelin sheath that protects the nerves and the axons, which all goes directly to the brain. So. It just everything just broke down inside his body. It's almost like his body just destroyed itself internally through the nerves. Yes, and Ty, you know, I, I want to say, and I want to ask you about the atmosphere that you created in that hospital room for Vincent. You know, life and yes. death is truly in. It truly is yes. in the tongue. You know, yes. and and for you to tell Vincent that, and for you to be protected uh, uh, of him in that room. What kind of yes. atmosphere did you create for Vincent? And I think this is very, very important for anyone yes. um, dealing with anyone, dealing with any type of sickness or in the hospital or whatever. What type of atmosphere did you create for Vincent? Well, this is where the spirit whisper comes in because I, like I said, because of how I knew our relationship was, we always had each other's back. And we always ne- we never went to bed angry. So I wanted to, I knew that, when I was told what Vince was, had, was what, what Vince had, and then I went home and researched it, I knew, or possibly I just I just felt like I knew what was going to happen to him, and sure enough, it did. So my first thought was, okay, we have to leave him here. He's away from his family. He's away from his son, who he's very close with, and he's away from me, and his extended family. So he, I, I made the decision to keep Vince's spirit happy. So I had to keep telling him that it's going to be fine. And because he knew who I was characteristically wise, he knew that I wasn't playing. He knew that I was sincere. So I had to keep his spirit happy. That had to go with his, with his family, with his friends, anybody that visited him. You couldn't go into the room crying. I know it was very difficult for people to, you know, to, to refrain from that, but they had to get their emotions out. And if they came out in the room, I, have, I asked them to leave or the person I was going in with them, to escort them because I couldn't allow Vince to feel sad because he's such a family person. He would be more concerned as to why you're crying rather than them crying for him because he didn't know how serious he was because, like Vince said, he didn't know anything for a month and a half, but that's that's the direction that I took. He had to be spiritually happy because he was not coming home. He had become paralyzed so quickly, and just the the trajectory of what was happening or what was going to happen I I decided to solve the solution. I mean, solve the problem before the problem existed, and that's I just had to keep his spirit happy. And I constantly talked to him and just let him know everything was happening. I constantly told him everything that was happening with Justin, all the good things. Even though every time I talked to him, he was aware at that moment. But it's amazing how the brain I feel shuts down when you're when the other parts of your body is healing. But I just made sure that he knew that he was happy, and that everything would be okay. I asked his family members to do the same, and it just to keep him cocooned with a with a happy with a with a, a, a positive aura around him. So when we left, he wouldn't be sad on purpose yeah. or projected sadness on him. So that's, Ty, that's what you, I decided to do very early on. Yes. Yes. Uh, did you ever ask the question, and did you look back over your life and, and just say, you know, why is this happening to us? Did you ever question it? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And um, I, 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 I would get up in the middle, like on a, like in the middle of the night when I come from, came from from the hospital, or I was still on the side of bed, and I would, I would ask. I was like, this, 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 what the hell is going on? Like, this isn't this, my family. Is, this is not what we're supposed to be. But the times that I did that, you know, I cried. But then I had to get myself out of that quickly because I had to get my son up, and I could, we, Vince and I made a, made a choice when Vince first went to the hospital that we wouldn't project any sadness onto our son. We knew that would be damaging, and we could not allow that to happen with Justin. So the times that I was very distraught, I did it in my room. I was, asked, I was very purposeful where I did it, and then, you know, my mom was there, so she would talk to me. But, yes, there were times when I was – I asked why, but it did not last long because I had to snap out of it and make sure my son was happy, and I had to take him to daycare and before I even went to the hospital – if I had to go straight to the hospital, I, I, I let my feelings, I let myself go through all those negative, sad, depressing feelings before I left the house. Yes. You know, and, and my father, too, uh, was ill. And I, and I remember my dad telling me that 
he hated the fact that he was putting a burden on his family. And my question to you, Vince, did you feel like you were a burden to your family when you were able to, you know, recognize and, and see everything that was going on around you? Did you ever want to just give up? Did you ever feel like, you know, I'm, my wife is doing so much. I can't move. I've lost so much weight. I'm going through all of this medical care. I just wanted, I'm tired. I just want to give up. I never really felt like that. The only thing I, I, I'm going to be honest, Greg, the, I never remember, I remember one sad day. All the other days when, when I would hear my wife, you know, she have heels on. So when, she, when I hear it, I hear click, 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 and I hear I don't even see her come around the corner yet. And she walk around the corner, and I see her smiling, I'm smiling. I don't remember any any of that in a hospital. It was only one day, and the only thing I wanted to do, I just wanted to go home, lay in my bed next to my wife, and see my son in the, in the room. That's all I wanted. I just wanted to go. I didn't care how bad I was off. I just wanted to have the satisfaction of laying in my bed and being in, with my family because I had been so disconnected for so long. It didn't matter whether I couldn't necessarily move, but the fact that I was surrounded with my family, and that's the only thing that I really, really, that really just got me. Yeah. The first chapter of the book, Ty, you, you labeled it as us. Yes. Us. Yes. What? What what when you were start writing this book? I know you I know you struggled with it at first uh, to get started, and now that you uh, you start writing this book, the first thing that stood out was us. Is that the love mm-hmm. factor that 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 pulled Vincent through? Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it, we were always a team. We were a team before he went to the hospital. We were a team in the hospital, and we were a team when he came home. So it's always we've always been a team. If if I I took it from if he need to lead, I would step aside. If I need to lead, he would step aside. So it was never a battle. It was never one against me or me against one. It was never like that. It was always us. And then it was with our son, Justin. We always did things together, whether it was just Justin and Vince or Vince or Justin and myself. We were always a team, and that's how I wanted, I wanted people to know that. You know, this, I, we just didn't become us when because I had to take care of Vince in the hospital. No, that was not it. We were us before that happened, and I wanted people to know that in very short and concise terms. And when I wrote the book, I always made sure that it was relayed that I had his back and he had my back because when it came to wearing with Justin, even though he's in the hospital, he knew that he can discipline Justin or speak to him and correct him. We were always a team. Yes, I, and I remember speaking with you, and you said you said that it was so important for Justin to to uh, to interact with his dad, to talk with his yes. dad, to see his father, yes. even though mm-hmm. uh, Vince probably just, he didn't look the same. Uh, right. Yeah. You, you thought yeah, that it was so important. Yes. Oh yes, as, just as a father, just as this, just growing up, seeing how, how how my father was, and then growing up, and then Vince's, you know, uh, grandfather was, and uncles. Vince had really strong male role models. I had a really, I had really strong male roles in my life, you know, besides my dad. So I, I, I had a good foundation on what how important it was for a son to be around his dad, or even a mentor. So when Vince went to the hospital, you know, like I said, when Vince went to the hospital, when he was before he became paralyzed, we made that decision, you know, to you know never project any sadness onto Justin. But when Vince couldn't talk, you know, I said, you know what, it's not going to change. It will not change. So when Vince went to the vent unit, even in the ICU, excuse me, I, I pleaded with the ICU people to please just let my, our son see him for just a quick moment, just let him know that his father's still here. You know, Justin became, you know, started asking questions, and we would we decided to tell him, you know, accordingly, but always end on a positive note. And then when Vince went to the vent unit, the same thing if Justin acted up. You know, Vince was more aware then if Justin acted up in, in daycare. Justin had to tell his father, and even though Vince couldn't, had no sound, he could move his mouth, and Justin actually read his lips. He read his lips. Children are very resilient. He read his lips, and Vince, you know, told him he needs to behave and be a good boy, and Justin said yes, and of course, when you, you know, talk a little negative, you know, a little sad with the child, they'll, you know, get sad, and Justin, you know, Vince would tell Justin, stand on the side, the guardrails, and he would neck hug Justin, so 
you know, that relationship still continued. There was never a pause or a break when it came to Vince's fatherhood towards Justin, and that's one thing that I was vehemently determined to keep. Yeah, we talked about you wearing different hats. For you to... Yes. uh, That's a lot of hats to wear, and I I know... that that's to me that's just unshakable faith. Yeah. For what you did, and, and because you had it all mapped out, you you had everything organized on the atmosphere of the room, and 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 I want to ask, how old was Justin when this happened? He turned four years old. He turned four wow. years old that that day. He Vince fell on his birthday. Mm. Yeah, and and the atmosphere um, with with. Just keeping Vince's spirit happy, that's really what it just, that was my main concern. And then, you know, I always said to myself, when, when Vince and I were talking, when he first was in, came into the ER, you know, I told him, I told him, I, I told myself, you're going to leave how you came in, which is of healthy mind, body, and spirit. Mm-hmm. That's, that was, that was that, that's what I kept saying. I never wavered in thinking that, you know, of course, there were rough times, but I never wavered from that. I never was, I never felt like the victim or he was a victim I just, every time a, a problem arose, there was a solution to it. And if, if it made the problem worse, there was a solution to that. And that's to, that's to get rid of the irritant and bring something else in to make it work better. Yes. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, and we have two very special guests, uh, best-selling author Ty Thomas and her husband Vincent Thomas. And, Ty, we have, uh, my lines are all lit up. There's a lot of people on here. Um, I it, for those that are listening, uh, Ty, tell them where they can go to uh, purchase your book. Oh, yes, it's called Seven Ways of Thinking, the number seven, sevenwaysofthinking.com, and it's very simple. It's on the landing page, the first page you see. You just pick either edition. It's a limited autograph edition with a hand signature, and there's only going to be 250 books sold. So get yours right away if you want an autograph edition, or you can for 24.99, or you can get just the regular soft back edition, which is 1999. Awesome. And guess uh, for those that are listening, we will open the lines in, in, a, in a, a little bit. But Ty, I wanted to ask both of you. Uh, chapter six of the book. Yes. Death, death's door again. Death's oh, door yes. again. Yeah. What What was that about? Okay, my mother happened to my mother. My mother was there with me for a week, and his mother, my mother-in-law, would come for a week. So they were basically revolving doors supporting me. When my mother, my mother was leaving that day. My mother and my father, um, I'm sorry, my mother was with me. We walked in that. I was a little late. I walked up to Vince's bed, and I, I was stunned. I, when I was, I was stunned. His, the night before, he was, you know, he was thin, but I knew he wasn't sickly thin, if that makes any sense. His eyes weren't sunken, you know, he, he, was, he was fine. And I'm not saying that because it's my husband or a false hope, that's what it was. When I came in that morning, his eyes were sunk in, and he was laying flat, of course, and his gown was stretched. He looked like he was nine months pregnant. I was stunned, my mother was stunned, and what happened was I just, I, some, something, something wasn't right. I called the nurse, and we found, and it's just she was very complacent. That's all I, the only thing I could say. Um, when the doctor came in, I told her call the doctor. I was very I was very livid. When the doctor came in, I asked you know I I I told I if you read the book without me cursing, but I basically asked him what was going on, and the doctor in turn just told me yes your husband is dying. I was stunned. I couldn't believe he said that in front of Vince, and my mother was equally mad. She walked away, and um, I told him that. They better do something quick, or I'm pulling Vince out of the house. As soon as he gets better, I'm pulling him out, because this should not have happened. I understand he was sick, but the the level of care is what I was very upset about. And what happened, what wound up happening was that Vince had a perforated duodenal also with a a gallon of blood in his belly. Mm. So, and the next day I had a brand new doctor and a brand new nurse. That's a lot for anyone to to have to face and to deal with when oh, a yeah. doctor tells you and that. He was, he was he was he was he was on death's door. He, um, by the, but when he was when he his mother-in-law wound up. I mean, my mother-in-law wound up coming, and of course, you know, she had to leave very quickly. 
but the 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 surgeon told me that he was one step away from death, and I was, it, yeah, he was on death's door. He had one foot in death's door. He had one foot in death's door. But but I didn't I I didn't I didn't it, when I saw him I was I was angry and I need to fix this because I knew I was running against time, so my emotions weren't crying or weak. I wasn't overwhelmed. I just need to fix this and get this fixed because I was not going to have my husband die in front of me. You know, I was. It was a race against time. That's that's what my mind was. It was a race against time. So when I say that things, when when problems arose, I had to find a solution. And if that irritant was that problem, I had to get rid of that irritant and get a better 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 solution. To, to, to better, it, it was just it was that type of mentality. In the book, you talk about daily rituals. Is that what you were talking about? No, the daily rituals came when he was transferred to the venue a month and a half. This was in the ICU, the CICU, for the cardiac ICU for a month and a half. And then the daily rituals came when he was in the venue unit when Vince was now alert and aware. He was, I called, called, I say he was himself now. He was aware. And the daily rituals, who oh, it was bathing him. Well, it was really moving his limbs and his fingers because I knew that even though Vince was having physical therapy and occupational therapy once a day, that was unrealistic. Nobody lives and stays still that long if they're able to move. And that's how I saw it. My husband doesn't lay down for 23 hours a day without moving. So I had to move his fingers, his leg, every joint from the, from the shoulders down. And I'm talking about every joint, the fingers, every three joints in your finger or two joints in your fingers, Every joint of his toes, every joint of his wrists, everywhere there was a joint, I moved. That was a that was the daily rituals. And then he had hand splints. I would change. I would take the hand splints off because it was making him sweaty. And I would. I came up with putting towels, hand towels, in the cup of his hand, so he would have the natural form of how the hand hangs, or how the hand is shaped, how the fingers are shaped. Because, like I said, my my. My main thing was he was going to leave the hospital how he came in physically, mentally, and spiritually. So I wanted him to leave with his fingers how that was naturally formed. Um, his Achilles heel, I wanted to make sure it was straight. His feet, I took the the boots off and I put towels on behind his feet to keep his feet straight up, as if he's laying in the bed and his feet are just looking straight up, straight or straight up. So I put towels behind his feet. I changed them every day under his calf so he wouldn't get heel sores. And just and then moving him. And then Justin would have a note. Every morning he would give me a note to tell his father. And I would, when I would get to the vent unit, I would put Justin's note on, a, on, his, on his trach dressing. I would write a note from, your, from his son, and I would read that note to his son. And then when Justin would come and visit, he would say, Daddy, you got my note? And so Vince would... Sincerely and honestly, say yes, I got it. So that was the daily ritual <laughs> that I did every day. Was move, and by the time I want to say two months out, I was very muscular in my arms. But <laughs> Vincent's <laughs> joints were very movable. I just did not want him to have any calcification whatsoever anywhere in his body. I tell you what, Vincent, you 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 have someone there. Whew. You have someone there that that's just true love. Um, Ty and Vincent, are, I, I want to go to the lines right now. Uh, area code three eight six two nine nine. Are you there? Do you have a question for Vincent or Ty? Area code three eight six two nine nine. I guess not. Let's try another one. Nine one seven area code nine one seven three one nine. Are you there? Yeah, I take it everybody's just listening right now. Uh, Vince, okay. uh, uh, Vince, I want to I want to go back to your son with the with the daily notes. You were looking forward to that. That that I mean that that, and I and I love the fact, Ty, that you gave him a goal. You gave him something to look forward to every single day. Every day was a little bit different, and you were giving him uh, something to look forward to. That was so oh, yeah. smart. It, it, yeah, and Vince, uh, I, I look at you and uh, Justin now, uh, you know, he's off in college, and I, I just, the relationship that you guys have as a family is just amazing. Um, when you were, did, did you save a lot of the notes? Did you save any of them at all? No, I, I couldn't save them because, you know, it has to 
you know, I had to make sure I clean, you know, cleaned it every day on my trade. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, just the communication that we have is, you know, it's, 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 it's uh, you know, that, that, that bond is so tight, you know, and it's been like that since yeah, I saw him born, you know. And it was right. just something about that, that, you know, that, you know, I, we were still communicating even though he wasn't there every day. But like I said, mm-hmm. when he would come in, you know, I have a picture, you know, of, you know, him on my bed. And, you know, he would give me a neck hug when he comes in. And, you know, we would sit and talk, even though I couldn't say it, even though you couldn't hear any words coming from my mouth. But he would sit there and read my lips, and we would sit there and have full-on conversations, just like nothing ever happened. Yeah. Uh, Vince, I'm going to go back to the lines. I'm going to try it one more time. Let's go to the lines of uh, area code 8. Zero four three three four. Area code eight zero four three three four. Are you there? I guess everybody's just listening in tonight. But Ty, <laughs> I want to. Yeah, I, I want to talk to. You. I want you guys to talk about the service, the caregiving service that you and Vincent uh, provide. I want you to talk about yes. that a little bit. Okay. the the seven The seven ways of thinking actually came before the book because of all the experiences that I've had. We just basically give um, tools to the caregiver, okay, the, the caregiver, the, pa- the patient, the spouse, or the significant other. And what we do is when somebody reaches out to us, mostly the, the caregiver, they're usually at their wit's end. Like they're, they're having communication problems. They can't figure out why they cannot get along as far as com- communicating because they're arguing a lot. And what we'll do is either I'll come in or Vince will come in because he he was the patient from that angle, and we'll sit down for the for the first consultation and just hear their story, and and we'll let them know you know we'll show them pictures of where we where, what, what where we came from just to kind of give a connection to let them know that you know we we went through what you went through, and then we'll listen to them and then we'll let them know what we think and and the solutions that we can give them, and nine out of ten it's just the tools it's just a third party coming in, and it's, and, it's, and it's coming from somebody who's been in their position, and and then it's you, and then we let them know the second or third time we we actually started consulting with them that it's usually underlying issues that happen before the health event, and so we work through that, and it all it you it boils down just to communicate. You have to solve these issues that were pre-existing before the health event happened. And unfortunately, because they didn't, they they weren't solved. They manifested, and then something broke the camel's back. I.e., maybe the patient asking the caregiver, "Can you just give me that that drink off the counter?" And the caregiver say, "Well, that's your tone. I don't like your tone." And it wasn't necessarily that question, but it was something that just snapped. It triggered, and it just mm-hmm. and it, because it was never solved, it just kept manifesting and manifesting. And that's where we come in. We just give them the tools to have a better communication between the dynamics, between the relationships, so they can both get help. They can both get healthier and better because it's very, it's vital that the patient is spiritually and mentally and physically happy and the caregiver as well. And then we also let them know that these roles do change. They do change and you don't even realize that the caregiver now becomes the patient and the patient now becomes the caregiver. So these, these roles are constantly changing and intermingling. And and we just give go in and let them and let them know that, and then when they see that, they're like, oh, okay, so I need to start caring for myself as a caregiver and the patient if they can, whether they're quadriplegic or whatever ailment is hitting them, they can still take care of themselves. We just give them the tools to do it, and if it's just mentally self-reflecting or or physically, whatever they're able to do. That's where we come in, and we try to make their dynamic healthier. Yes. Now, Vincent, uh, when you're dealing with the men, uh, what has been their perspective um, not being, as the caregiver, when when their wife or their mother uh, becomes ill, have have you dealt with uh, issues from uh, from the men? What's what's their perspective? Uh, From a a man's perspective, uh, a lot of times it's guilt maybe of you know not not being necessarily being able to take care of the spouses maybe it's whether she did you know or uh you know it's 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 you know men don't really communicate as much so it's kind of hard to you know to kind of that's true you know 
Yeah, so you know it's you know it's kind of hard kind of to uh, you know deal with certain things, but you know from a man's perspective, you know when you're taking care of your spouse, you know you you just be empathetic and you know you you look at them from a standpoint of you know how you know I look at I have to look at my wife as an example. So what she did for me, I just in turn you know do for her and you know make sure that you know she she taught me how to you know to care give. So, you know, for me, it's, you know, it's easy, and, it, and I'm able to articulate that a lot with, you know, the uh, the men that I do, you know, happen to have at times. So. Now, Ty, I've heard a lot of women say, I, I, you know, I go into hospitals now from time to time, and I, I've seen women walk away from their husband, and I've seen them, um, the men uh, placed in uh, um, in homes, you know, and, I, and, I, and I've seen it with with men walking away from their wives. I mean, walking away, uh, just not being able to do that, to, uh, give them the care that they need. And I know a lot of people say, well, uh, if they truly love them, do you, do you think it, do you think that uh, it could be uh, that they just don't know how to do it? They don't know how to be a caregiver because it's of such course. a, this is a life changing uh, event. Of course. Yeah. I, 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 I think, like I said, I think it has, it, it has three, I think it has three um, parameters. I think it's one, it's innate in you, or two, it's, it starts in the home, or three, it's experience through experience. Um, it, one of one of the three, you know, will allow you to be a caregiver. But because if if, if it's not innate in you, you have to learn through experience. But it also has a lot to do with relate the relationship that you're in with the person. If you don't if you don't communicate with your spouse or your significant other through any issues or problems when a health crisis arises, it's going to make it worse. So now you're forced to really do some hard self-reflecting, and you have to you have to deal with these pre-existing issues first. Even though if the health crisis is sudden, hopefully you'll be able to look at that person and remember why you like that person in the first place or why you fell in love with that person. And then when the, when the time is right, you, you work through your issues. But I think it has a lot to do with either experience, how you were raised in your home, or even a, uh, a mentor, or it's innate in you. It's one of those three things, and hopefully one of those will allow you to care for the person that you fell in love with in the beginning. Now, granted, there's a lot of issues that co- that come a- come across as as your relationship arises, you know, if it's physical or mental abuse or something like that. But let's yes. hope that's not the case, you know. Yeah, let's hope not. Um, I'm, I want to try to go back to the lines. There's a 347 area code. I have a, a ton of those. 347-605? 347-605? Yes, are you there? You're live on the Abundant Solutions yes. Hour. Welcome. How you doing? This is, doc, this is Dr. Ford. How you doing? How you doing, Dr. Ford? You're live with Vincent and uh, Ty. Forgive my baby in the background. First, I wanted to say congratulations. But when, my question is, I wanted to know if y'all you know, could address a little bit about the aftermath when Vince came home from the hospital. Was there a readjustment period? Was there a, a re, reestablishment of roles? How did, that, how did that transition go for y'all? Oh, Okay. Um, I, I'm going to try to be as brief as possible because that actually leads into volume, the volume, the next volume series. But when Vince came home, everything changed. I was finally able to breathe, and he was taking, he was literally taking more and more of an active role. We made adjustments to allow him to, because he was coming out of his paralysis. Even when he was being discharged, he was coming. I knew he was coming out of his paralysis just due to the symptoms that he was having. But he was becoming. He want, Vince always was independent, and so we made different adjustments for him to be a pen, independent, and get back to what he wanted to do, and that was to be uh, efficient and and take care of his family, and and that's we we went back to being normal again. However, I can tell you that my personally with me, feelings started to manifest that I didn't know I had. And it was a little bit difficult for me um, just because of the long hospital stay that I kept kind of dormant or bottled up because it was, it wasn't, I wasn't expressing it all the time during the hospital, Mrs. hospital stay. But when he did come home, I, I feeling start, negative feelings started to manifest. 
Yes. Uh, doctor, do you do you have any other questions for uh, Ty or Vincent? Well, did, did that also manifest itself in a relationship with Justin? No, no. We always, 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 always never projected any sadness or any negativity on him. Never. That never happened. It was something that we, it was like that before he went to the hospital, and we were determined that when Justin was in daycare, we would iron all those issues out. And because of our relationship together, Vincent and I, we, we always ended on a positive note. It wasn't false. It wasn't, a, uh, it, it wasn't false hope. We just got to a point where we talked it out, we communicated, and we wound up happy, hugging, and, like, and we were good. So by the time Justin came home, it wasn't false. It was just natural. We were ironed all of our issues out. So Justin never saw any of that. Awesome. I want to go to the lines. 386-299, are you there? 386-299. Let me try another number. Uh, let's go with the 347-284. 347-284, you have a question for Vincent or Ty? Hello? Yes, how are you, sir? Go ahead. You're live. How you doing, man? I just want to say that, that, that the book is very uh, inspirational and educational. I learned a lot about that, the disease, and I really didn't know. And it's scary because I have a family of my own, and I think about from a respiratory infection, you know? Yes, yes. Uh, do, do you have a question? Uh, no, go ahead. As a wife and as a husband, because in the husband's standpoint, I believe I would be afraid. And to both, I just want to say I love them and they both strong. And I appreciate them for the. Uh, Thank you for you know allowing me to, you know answer my call too. Thank you so much, Vincent. Ty, right, were you was, able? Yeah, yeah that was my cousin. To... That was my yeah. That was my cousin Terrell. Love him to death. He's married with his wife Jess, and they were one of the very first. They were the very first one of the very first family members to get the book. So he that's what he. Yeah, I, I heard him even though he's breaking up. So Terrell, Jess, yeah. I love you guys so much. And, and you know, Ty, the, the book. Yeah. Go ahead, Vincent. I'm sorry. I was I was saying we I was just reiterate what my wife said. You know we loved her. Yes, the book is the book is inspirational. Uh, and and Ty again for those that just joined us, um, the book is uh, an interruption in time, a chronicle of life and death, and this is the first volume. Ty uh, again, would you give that information out on where they can uh, purchase the book? Sure, it's sevenwaysofthinking.com. The number seven. Just go on to the, the the website. It's the landing page, and choose whichever edition you like. The autographed edition is a handwritten signature with a number out of 250, limited. And then there's another edition that's just a soft cover without the autograph. The autograph one is 24.99, and the regular soft edition, soft cover edition is 19.99. At sevenwaysofthinking.com, the number seven. Okay. I want to go back to the lines. Uh, the 347-818, are you there, caller? Yes, I am. Yes, go ahead. You're live. You have a, you have a question for Vincent or Ty? I actually don't have a question, but that's my cousin, Tyessa, and my cousin, Jim. Just want them to know I'm very proud of them, and I love them. Yes. Well, oh, caller, let me... <laughs> well, caller, caller... Uh, I know you, since Ty's your cousin, your cousin, what do you uh, say about her strength in going uh, through this ordeal? Oh, listen, she's a very strong person, and she always has been. Yes. She went she's through a lot, a and um, I'm very proud of her. Good. See, I tell you what, she's an example of what a wife, uh, she's, she's just a good example of, 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 a, of a wife. Uh, that's, all, Absolutely. that's all I can say. Yes. Thank you so much for I calling agree. and listening. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, Ty, um, yes. you hear that word all the time. You're strong. And, I, and I'm sure people were telling you that when uh, Vincent was in the hospital and when he came home. Yes. I, I, I know at some point you, you, you were sick and tired of hearing it. Um, oh, 
Yeah, because you you were pouring it was you were pouring so much out into him. Did you have anyone pouring into you? Yes, my parents. My parents. Um, my uh, my cousin Ashley Terrell. Um, my cousin Rob. Um, uh, I, I had some. I had some very close friends. My cousin. I mean, my friend Waverly. Um, uh, they, I had some very close. My, I had some very close people who were always making sure that I was okay. So I I did have that. I I did have that. I did have some break times um, when this did come home. Um, I had a couple. I had a couple. I had a friend, um, Robin, who was actually his nurse, who's in the book. We would go out so I can take a break. So only, uh, but I can tell you only later on in life, years later, when was when it kind of came crashing down. But during that time, I did have a lot of support, you know, asking me, but, yeah, I make sure I was okay. Yes. Now, um, Ty, you also offer uh, other services, and I think you have another book. I think it's about the, the writing process. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, and, oh, before, but, and before, I go, before I go beyond that, I, my, little cousin, my cousin Terrence also was, very supportive, and that's in the next book that I really won't get into, but he that was another person who really helped out as well when Vince came home. Um, yes, I, I, going through the book writing process, even though I had experts, family, friends who were experts in writing and just the different aspects of writing the book, you know, a lot of different advice and opinion, it was very frustrating. I've never written a book before. I never went through the process. And no matter how much you YouTube or get advice, it becomes extremely frustrating. Information overload was my my main thing. So what I decided to do is I decided to write a excuse me a 23 step book writing process, not the marketing, but the book writing process. And because it, it just I just needed some. If I know if I was having frustrations and I thought I was a very intelligent person, I knew that. I felt like I was the dumbest person in the world, and it was not. That's that. What that's that's an understatement. So I knew that there were millions of other people, and as I was writing it, I was running into people asking me, "How'd you do this? How'd you do this?" So that's what I said. You know what? My husband actually thought of that. He said we should write a 23-step process. And I was like, "Oh, maybe." You know, I can't. I don't kind of give myself all. You know, all that credit of being entrepreneurial. My husband does that. And then he was pushing me and pushing me, and then I said, okay. So I, I sat and I wrote it, and, but it came from my frustrations of having so much information overload. I wanted to condense that for the layman person, the beginner, who, who wants to do it, but just it's just too much out there. And that's what I wound up doing. It's just 23 steps. It's a bullet point style digital download, and, you, and it's very easy to follow. You're going to have the editors or whoever, you know, helping you out, but you at least will have – a, a starting point, a base of the, what, what, what to do or what to expect. And that's where that came from, my frustrations of not knowing what to do and just helping the next person, you know, just to give them a starting point because I didn't have that. Yes. And, you know, sometimes, Ty, too, you, you, you have to grow your wings on the way down, and, and you jumped, and, and uh, <laughs> thank God okay. you, you grew the wings. Um, how, how important was it for you to write your book? How important was it? It was very important because my mom, when Vince was in the, um, the vent unit in February 2000, she's the one who suggested I write it. Because my mother was a very prolific, erudite-type woman. She loved, she was very little. She loved to write. She loved to write, loved to write, loved to write. So she was very into that. And 16 years later, well, almost 17 years later, well, excuse me, my mother passed in 2001. So when she passed suddenly, the book writing process, the book just, I just forgot about it. I didn't even thought of, think about it. Only when I was, we moved back and last year um, was when Vince was saying, you should write it, and kind of I was like, yeah, I guess I'm okay now. You know, I, I, I'm, our son is in school, and my mother kept speaking to me and speaking to me and speaking to me spiritually. So in April, that's when I started thinking about it and, take, you know, Vince kept saying, you know, you should write it, and that's, that's why it was really important. It really is because of my mom, honestly. It was very important that I fulfilled her, you know, her suggestion, I guess. I wouldn't even call it a suggestion, but just her, her words to me. 
because I respect and love them, love my mother and father so much that even though they're gone, I still respect them, and that that's why I wrote the book. Yeah. The book is dedicated to my son because he was so young and dedicated to my husband, but the book is for my mom. It's for my mom because she was a very giving and helpful person, and then the, as I was writing it, the book became, you know what, if somebody else can read this book and have and know that they're not alone and they're in the hospital taking care of somebody or they're at home, that it would help them, you know, give some sort of guidance or even support. That's that's all I can, you know, just to help that one person, give them inspiration. You know, it, it, it's a lot of us out there, uh, we have uh, life experiences that can help others. Uh, but we yeah. can't be ashamed of the, the experiences that knocked at our doors. Um, there's a yeah. lot of people out there that you have a book in you to those that are listening. You have an experience that you can share with the world. And don't ever feel like your experience is not good enough. Trust me, it's a lot of people that that are going that went through something that you are you know, familiar. Yeah. They went through something similar to what you're going through or what you did go through. And now that you're out of it, don't 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 keep the world um, at bay. Go ahead and write it. Write your book. Yeah. And you, I yeah. mean, it may you, you may not know what to do, but just get started, like Ty did. Yeah. Just get started, and, and and it'll come to you. And if you need to, Ty, if they need to reach out to you, how can they get in contact with you just for advice, just for uh, some type of uh, inspiration, if if, oh, if, they, if anything? Yep, they can go to the Seven Ways of Thinking dot com. And um, they can email me through there. Um, I answer emails a lot faster and just move forward from there. They can just contact me through there, Seven Ways of Thinking, the number seven, waysofthinking.com. And I must say, Greg, that um, with the consulting that I do, because Vince is a certified plant-based nutritionist, people don't realize that the caregivers or the patients, they need to eat healthy as as, as, as well as healing their mind the mental, the mental and physical and, and spiritual strength they need to eat as well, and that's why Vince is a co-consultant because he because he's certified in plant-based nutrition is he because he's certified in knowing how to eat the right foods, so the caregivers not always tired or the, even the patients not always tired they can change their eating habits so it all comes full circle so to speak you have to one cannot one cannot survive without the other meaning you can't have a spiritual healthy Life, if you're eating bad, because then you, even though you're spiritually happy, your body is full and, and weighted down. So your body's not happy and light. So they all both feed off on each other. So I, w- I want to mention that as well. The health part, the eating part, the nutrition part is extremely health, uh, paramount when it comes to the consulting part. And with the consulting part of the, the business that you have, do you offer any type of seminars or workshops or uh, presentations? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We do. We have a we have the patient spouse caregiver lecture series. We also have the plant based nutrition lecture series. And when I say the plant based nutrition, it's not just strictly plant based, but we but it's it's just the starting from the basis. But we do have that lecture series as as well as the the physical fitness um, series. So it all ties in. We do have seminars and lecture series. Awesome. We have about uh, less than two minutes left into the to the show, and I tell you, I, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm taking notes, and I'm sure everybody else has gained a lot of knowledge from uh, tonight's uh, show. And, Ty, I'm pretty sure you've learned some stuff about yourself that you didn't know. Uh, we talked oh, last yeah. night, and, and I kind of <laughs> mentioned that to you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yes, I kind of mentioned that to you, and we talked about that a little bit. Um, Again, Ty, give out your information, your contact information on how people can contact you if they want to, let's say, speaking engagements or anything uh, to, that they may just want to reach out to you and Vincent. Okay, it's, it's the number seven, sevenwaysofthinking.com. And you can just email or um, you can set up a, a, a calendar appointment and just move forward from there. Okay, good. Uh, if you would, for, for 30 seconds or less, Ty, is there anything else that you want the listeners to know about you and Vincent? Us? Yeah, we're just, we're, we're just like any regular old couple. <laughs> <laughs> we're just like any regular old couple, and we just keep striving to communicate and keep communicating and enhancing our relationship better because communication is the key. And never go to bed angry. Exactly. Never go to bed angry. Exactly. And do not let the children see it if you can <laughs> 
<laughs> that's very key. It solve it solve any problems before you go to bed because you will not get a good night's sleep. You'd be you'd be surprised how a conversation can make a big difference in the you know in the world between a relationship because you know you get to better understand each other's perspective. And if yeah. I understand that my wife, you know, she has a certain way she views something, and she has a certain way that I view something, I can make sure that I don't agitate that and make sure I'm very much aware of that so I don't, you know, cause conflict. And I think once you do that, you start to have a lot more respect, and the love grows and the bond between you guys grow. And that, and that expands to the family. So if you have a good, healthy marriage and, you know, the man is happy, the woman is happy, the kids will be happy. Yes, awesome, a, awesome. Yeah, yeah, so. Yes. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, you were listening to the Abundant Solution Hour, and I tell you what, I, I, I just loved it. And if you can, please purchase the book, An Interruption in Time, A Chronicle of Life and Death, and this is Volume 1. Volume 2 uh, is, is coming as well. And Vincent and Ty, thank you so much for breaking bread thank with you, us this you. evening because I know you could have been doing something else. But I thank you so much thank for sharing so much. this special, special, special show. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.